Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. And um, also, I know I was going to say, please be praying for me. On Tuesday, I go to Uganda for about seven days. And so so um, we're going to be going out there. Our church has been a part of setting up a build center um, in Uganda for the My360 project. And so we're going to go out there and take a look at that center. I'm going out there with Pastor Daryl Carnley, one of my overseers, my oversight council. And, um, and, and we're going to do that. And then also there's a lot of pastors that we are connected with over there that we get a chance just to encourage and to support and build up. And the truth is, is that we're going to be encouraged and supported and built up more than we're going to be able to support and encourage and build up. But I love that that's how the body of Christ works. And so I'll be in Uganda for about seven or eight days. And then we are going to come back. We're going to come back. And, um, and we're going to put a plan together that either in October or November, I would like to take a team from Idaho here over to Uganda and be a part of what they're, what they're doing um, in Uganda. So I want you to prayerfully consider if God is calling you, and I know Mr. Fisher right there, uh, uh, I, I just, I just, or Adams, Mr. Adams, I know a Dusty Fisher as well, Mr. Adams, <laughs> Pastor Dusty Adams, I don't know why that came out, you were like, but I really feel like uh, that you really need to be praying about this, and, um, and anyhow, in October, November, we'll be taking a team over to Uganda. And so it's going to be fantastic. All right. So we've been in this series on the book of Daniel. Today, I believe, is week number six. Week number six, Daniel is is grouped in the prophetic section or prophetic portion of your Bible. Um, If you literally try to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I, I don't encourage you necessarily to do that unless, of course, you are, unless, of course, you're just wanting to read the Bible, you know, straight through. But if you do so, it's not going to be in chronological order. Um, and so the book of Daniel is, is part of the prophetic books of the Bible. You've got the minor prophets and the major prophets and the minor prophets. It doesn't mean that they're any less important. It just means that they're smaller They're smaller books. And so Daniel is a part of the major prophets in the Bible. In the major prophets or in the book of Daniel, you've got the historical side of Daniel and then you've got the prophetic side of Daniel. But I'm just telling you, I don't believe that Daniel would be in the prophetic section of the book if we weren't supposed to learn something even from the historical side of the book of Daniel. And so I believe that Daniel, even though it's broken up itself, it's all prophetic. And I believe even the historical section, which is the first six books, can speak to us today. I really believe that. And so we've been spending some time in this. It's a major prophet. Um, 
In a couple of weeks, next week, Pastor Bo Stevenson is going to be bringing the word, and, and uh, I'm very, very excited um, about that. You're definitely going to want to be here for that, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the Antichrist, and we're going to learn some things about the last days, which I believe that certainly we're in. Jesus said, you know, he was in, but if he was in it, we're certainly in it, and, um, and so up to this point, we've been really focusing on how King Nebuchadnezzar had, had overrun um, Jerusalem, and, uh, and he was the king of Babylon, which is, which is modern-day Iraq today, if you're wondering where that is. He took, uh, took over Israel, and Daniel, along with some of the others that were, that were brought into the king's service, um, they were, Daniel was about 16 years old from what we can, from what we can tell. He was in Babylonian captivity till he was about 90 years of age. And so somebody say that's a long time to be in captivity. And so what we've been focusing on in this series is how do you live for God whenever the culture that you're thrust into is ungodly? And, and I believe, like for me, it's so easy to just draw the lines that, you know, that, that here, you know, they were culturally, they were into pagan worship and, and, and just, you know, far away from, you know, the one true living God. And I feel like, and if you don't sense this, I'm just drawing your attention to it, that our culture today is not going closer to God. It's, 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 there's more separation, I feel like I feel like there's a real push for us to go further and further. And so so Daniel, with the other guys that he was with, they were able to live godly in a culture that was not godly. And so week number one, week number one, we talked about culture's greatest goal. And culture's greatest goal, we're talking about worldly culture, its greatest goal is to is to change your identity. The first thing that happened when when these boys um, you know were taken into captivity, they were they were their names were changed. And a name represents a lot of the identity. And 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 the the, the Babylonian names were it almost meant the exact opposite of what their Hebrew name had meant. And so we won't spend a lot of time on that, but I want you to know this that that the enemy is constantly and the world is going to always be trying to attack your identity. God created you to be one way. He is the one that gives you the, your identity. And culture is going to say that you're, you're, you're not that. You're not good. You're not, there's not greatness in you. You know what I mean? You're, you're the tail and you're not the head. And, and so, so anyway, culture is going to strip you of your identity and give you a name that is quite different than, than how it is that God sees you. I think it's interesting that in Washington, and this was, this was probably about five years ago, there was a real push, and I think it's interesting, it started in Washington State. There was a real push to get away from, um, to get away from any kind of, of language that, that included gender in it. So, so they were adopting gender-neutral language. And so this was five years ago, and I think we've just gotten a lot, a, a lot worse. In fact, it was almost laughable five years ago. But they were saying things like this, that we cannot use the word penmanship because man was a part of, of penmanship. 
And so we laughed about it five years ago. Look where we are today. There is an attack on gender. Like, like we're, we're, we're adopting brand new, we're creating new language for the day that we live in so that we can be politically correct and not offend people. And so they come out and they say, listen, we're getting away from, you know, we're going to gender neutral language. We're getting away from words like penmanship. And, and there was a group of people that began to argue with, he said, no, listen, this is a mandate. And so... A couple of you got it already, you know, Man, mandate, you know. Like, how do you do that? You're going to get busted one way or the other. Can I just tell you this, that to be, to do well in the last days, like, you really need to know who you are. And it is unfortunate, but let's be honest. There are, there are many people within the church, we don't know who we are. And I'm telling you this, that God wants you to know who you are. And so take those requests through prayer and fasting and reading of God's word, you know, to the Lord and really begin to allow God to identify or, or re-identify because some of you, you, your identity may have been stripped from you even when you were a child and you really didn't even, man, there's so many things coming to my mind right now that God had showed me when I gave my heart to the Lord, I returned back to who I was as a child, having compassion and love for people where I lived the majority of my life totally serving myself. And so, so that was restored. I really feel like that's a word for somebody that God wants to restore your true identity. And then we talked about in week number two, culture's greatest test and culture's greatest test is worship. Like, like, whether you think you're a worshiper or not, you are a worshiper. You have been created to worship. The question is, is what are you worshiping or who are you worshiping? You've been created to worship the one true living God. But we look at Daniel's life and, and these, these, these other young men, and they were told what they could not worship, and they were, they were told what they had to worship. And, and I'm just saying this, that you're worshiping something, and I, I hope it's, it's the Lord. I hope it's the Lord. Number three, third week, we talked about culture's greatest sin, which is pride. And, and pride is any time that we say, and we might say, I'm not prideful, but any time we know that God wants us to have this or to do this, when we say, no, I know better than you, and I'm going to do it anyway, like, like we're, some, we're special or we're, we're different, then what that is, is that is, that is pride. And Nebuchadnezzar, he, he dealt with that. He, he really put himself in a position in a place where he was better than, than God. And it's interesting as a, as a, as a pastor, periodically, I will get asked questions about hot topics, you know, hot topics. What are some hot topics that this really ruffle people's feathers? What are homosexuality? You bet marriage. What else? Politics. It's a big one. Yeah. What else? What? Abortion. Yeah, that's another, another big one. And so, so anyhow, I'll get asked questions. They'll say, oh, you know, Pastor Travis, what do you think about, about this? Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. You, what do you think about this? And I'll be, and, and, and how many of you know that the majority of hot topics that we're talking about today, the answer is found in the Bible? Right, so it's clear in the Bible, and, and so my answer is simply this, that, that why would I want to share my opinion with you when the Bible is clear about it? Because this is the problem that we run into when we run into elevating what we think about something 
um, whenever our thoughts don't agree with what God's word says. I'm telling you this, that if you are in, if you are, if you are contrasting the word of God, if you are against, if your belief system is different than the word of God, I, I, with all the love in the world, you're wrong. God's word is right. And so, and so it's so easy when we get into these conversations, when we just go to that person and we say, it really doesn't matter what I think about it, but let me share with you what the word of God says. Therefore, it's what my, my belief system is, is because God, God knows more than, than what I know. Fourth week, we talked about warnings not to live a life out of balance, not to squander your time, squander your resources. Um, you know, I made a statement that a lot of people that are either pastors or CEOs or, or in charge of a lot of different things, most people make the worst mistakes when they're burning the candle at both ends, right? When they're tired. And, and, and I've seen that time and time and time again um, among pastors. It's when they're, when, they're, when they're burning the candle and then you hear of, of, of some sort of a failure that has taken place and they always go back to, man, I was, just not, I was not spending enough time in the areas that I needed to spend time in. And so week number five, which was last week, Pastor Dave talked about outrageous faith. I loved what, what he was talking about, not treating prayer like a genie, like rubbing a lamp like a, like a genie. And sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes the only time that we pray is whenever we need something from God. And that's a good time to pray, but, but the essence of our relationship with God is founded in things like prayer and spending time um, in in his word. I, I've been reading a book. My wife and I, we were listening to it, going to and then coming back from California. Um, it's a book by Bob Sorge, and it is, uh, it's called The Secret Place. In fact, I'm going to put a series together on this, this, this book, and then I'm going to encourage everybody to, you know, to get the book and, and to read the book. But one of the things that he mentions in this book is that, that the, the devil's going to tell you that, that you, you know, you don't have time or, or, you know what I mean? You need to take a break from things like prayer and, 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 and you just need to relax just a little bit. And he was like, man, that's exactly what you need. You need to build a life because the essence of your relationship is built on your, on your prayer life. And so anyway, it is very, very powerful. Today, what I'm going to share with you, somebody say, finally, he got to it. Whew. <laughs> I feel like I've been up here for a long time and, you know, I'm used to preaching two services, so you're going to get a double barrel today. No, no, I'm not. We'll have you out of here in no time, but today I want to just talk to you about the great need, the great need. What's the great need? Well, this is how some Christians are acting today. Not a lot, but some Christians are acting whenever we look at all of the world's problems. How many of you know there's a lot of problems in the world? How many of you know you don't have to look very far to find a problem? And so sometimes our, sometimes our approach is, you know what I mean, to heck with the world. We're just going to just let them just do what they're going to do. We're just going to go to heaven and they're going to go to the hot place, right? We're just going to, you know, we're just going to focus. The problem with that thinking is that thinking is not biblical. That thinking is not, it's not biblical. It's not what the Bible says. I want you to know 
we're calling today's message the greatest need, and I'm going to give you the answer. The greatest need is you. We're going to be talking about a lot of the same scriptures that we even talked about this last week, but I'm just going to take a different angle um, than, than Dr. Dave took last week, but, but it's, 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 it's using the same. So you're going to get really familiar with, with, with uh, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel's chapter 6, now this is the third king. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there. This is the third king, Jan, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It says this, that it pleased Darius to appoint 170 or 120 satraps. These are like governors of, of the day. To rule throughout the kingdom, verse 2, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Now, this is interesting right here, and we could just skip right over it, but Daniel was one of the administrators that were over the 120 satraps. He was one of three, and he was the only one that wasn't Persian. He was, he was, he was, he was not Persian. He was the only one that wasn't Persian, and then it goes on to say the satraps were made accountable to these three so that the king might not suffer loss. So I want you to know this, that Daniel was so good at serving the king that the Bible, the scripture says that the king did not suffer loss. So you had the 120, then you had the three so that the king would not suffer loss. Verse three says this, Daniel so distinguished himself. I'm going to say that again. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So you've got 120, and then you've got the three, and Daniel was even set apart among the three that the king, in a culture that was not his own, Daniel was not was not Persian. In a culture that was not his own, the king looked upon the exceptional qualities that Daniel had, even above the other two, that he was going to place and position him over the entirety of the kingdom. And I'm just telling you this, to, inf to influence a culture that is not your own, you have to be different. You cannot just reflect the culture that you're in. You've got to set the culture that you're in. You can't just do what everybody else is doing. I know the Holy Spirit's ministering to some people right now. You can't just do, like if you're going to change culture, you can't just do what everybody else is doing because if you're doing the same that everybody else is doing, then you're not going to change anything. The only way possible that you're going to change culture in a positive way is if you are distinguishably different, if you are exceptional in, 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 and you stand out in regards to how everybody else is acting and what everybody else is doing. It's interesting. Tina loves, I don't know where she picked up on this, but she loves the Food Channel. She absolutely loves, here's a guy trying to lose weight, and his wife loves the Food Channel. And so anytime we had some downtime on our vacation, she was like, no, no, we want to watch the Food Channel. And I don't even know what these shows are called, but, but there was one show, it was all about a rescu restaurant rescuing. And so, so these are restaurants that, that, that were not doing well. In fact, there was this one, there was this two, these two ladies, it was the last one that we watched. There were these two ladies that had gone into business 
And they had started this Mexican restaurant, a breakfast kind of a Mexican restaurant. And uh, they had been in business for 10 years. And, and they bring in this guy. I don't even know who the guy is, but this guy is like an expert. And he's also very, very abrasive, very, very abrasive, like very opinionated, very, very in your face. Well, no wonder, you know what I mean? You, you got salmonella growing in your refrigerator and all these, you know what I mean? Just really just nailing these ladies to the point where they're, where they're, they're crying. And then he's finding out, you know, where the, where the breakdown is. Like, 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 why are you not successful in a, in an area where you should be successful. It wasn't location, location, location. It was like you're doing something very wrong. These, these two ladies in 10 years owed, like they were in the hole $200,000. Uh, I would have pulled the plug at about $10,000 in the hole. I would have been like, man, I'm not supposed to be in the restaurant business. But I don't like debt either. And so so anyway, he comes in and he's, he's working with them, you know, psychologically and the menu and changing the atmosphere. Well, there was one lady that was so connected to how the restaurant started and the vision that she had for the restaurant. She was having a hard time making the, the, the leap to do things so radically different. And he said, listen, basically he said this to this lady, how well is this working for you? How well is your vision for this place working for you? You're $200,000 in debt. You better take every idea that you have and throw it in the trash because it's garbage. And she cried a little bit, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, she says, okay, I'm on board. But this is what we do. We, in life, we hold on to things that are not working because they're sentimental value, or it's just like this is how we were raised and whatnot. And I'm just saying sometimes you've got to do things completely different than how you've been, how you've been doing them. Number one is this, God's hope for culture is you. Go ahead and point to yourself and then point to your neighbor and tell them as well. God's hope for our culture to become more godly is you. It's you. You are God's, you know, culture's greatest need. Second Corinthians says this, that God has, has made us ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is the highest representative that a president will send into a country that is not his own. He's got a lot of different things to do, or she's got a lot of different things to do, like lead the people that are that are that are that are you know that are under him or her, right? But also this person is a direct representative of the president in a culture, in a country that is not his own. And so it's very important that that ambassador is everything that the president wants that and needs that ambassador to be. And that's what Christ calls you, that we are ambassadors. God has made us ambassadors. See, Daniel had exceptional qualities. He lived under four and through four different empires that liked him and he had influence because they liked him and the culture was changed because they liked him. He had influence and he, he was different. He wasn't just falling in line with, with what everybody else was doing. Number two is this, you'll never do the greater things. I'm not saying you're not gonna do great things because every once in a while, even mediocrity can be a part of greatness, Right? But I'm saying this, that you will never do the greater things without exceptional qualities. As the church, 
It's very important. And if this hurts a little bit, good. And, and if it doesn't hurt, then good. But as the church, we need to develop our character, right? We need to be thinking about integrity, honor, respect, manners, humility, right? We need to, we need to elevate our learning. We need, to, we need to consider serving. You better start paying attention, uh, really, and I've started beating this drum a while ago, how you look, how you dress, how you carry yourself. I'm telling you, I felt like God was telling me a while ago that, listen, if things go south in our nation, do you want to be somebody that's helping other people or do you want to be the one that needs help because you're so out of shape? And so when the Lord speaks to you, which I'm not the Lord, I'm not the Lord, but if the Lord speaks to you, then you, you're responsible for it. And so you got to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, Right? But I'm telling you, you have to evaluate your life. Do you have exceptional qualities? Are there areas that are not exceptional in your life? Are there areas where you're not a good representative of, of who Christ is? I can't answer that. You have to answer that question. But I'm telling you this, long time ago, when I first gave my heart to, heart to the Lord, Ray Wright, good friend of mine from way back in the day. Wave to everybody, Ray. There he is right there. Good friend from back in the day. I remember I first started going to Valley Church, and it was the first time that I had heard somebody say, um, business is business and church is church. And I thought to myself, as a brand-new Christian, didn't know nothing about nothing, I thought, man, that doesn't even sound right. Business is business and church is church. You know, you used to hear that more often. What they were saying is, is that when you're doing a business deal, like you can slide just a little bit. You don't have to be completely honest. And, and I'm like, man, you're a Christian. Like, shouldn't that like, shouldn't that govern how it is that you run your business? You know what I'm saying? Like you should be honest and you should, you shouldn't try to, you know, get over on somebody just because you, because there's an open door to do that or there's an opportunity, you know what I mean, to do that. But I just thought, man, that just flew all over in the face of, 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 of this brand new relationship with Jesus that I, that I had. But we need to work on these things, integrity, honor, respect, manners, humility, so on and so forth. All right. It goes on to say. At this, the administrators and the satraps, they, fired, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. Why? Because he had such great favor with the king. So they were looking at, you know, they were looking at his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to find anything wrong. The Bible says that they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither was he corrupt nor negligent. Verse 5 Finally, the men said, we'll never find any basis for the charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of, of his God. And that's what, right, like as a pastor of Grace Church, that's what I desire for each and every one of us. That, that when people bring charges, they're not going to find any charges to bring. When people are looking for something wrong with you, they're not going to find something wrong with you. In fact... The, the exact opposite is going to happen because of your exceptional qualities that the world, which knows nothing about the God that you serve, is going to be drawn to you for answers and solutions. That's what my desire is for, for Grace Church, that we would just be filled with such a spirit of excellence because of Christ in us, the hope of all glory, right? 
Old things have passed away. Just because you've been raised a certain way, we're not going to be filled with, you know, with a bunch of excuses. No, God is my father, right? God is teaching me. The Holy Spirit is teaching me better ways. And so, and so, so that the, the world, the culture in the world will be drawn to you because you're exceptional qualities. So how do we do it? Second Corinthians chapter three and verse 17 says this, the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, my Bible says, there is freedom. And so wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. There's victory, right? There's power. The Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We need the spirit of God impacting the places where people are hurting the most. So where where are people hurting today? This is going to be super simple. If this is true... If where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we have the spirit of God impacting the places where people are hurting the most. Where are people hurting the most? Healthcare, sure. Relationships, you bet. Financially. What? Fear. What else? Your home, sure. Families, marriages, schools. How about the areas that we, were, that we were talking about? Identity. Some of the things that we've already covered over the last five, five deals where we're just messed up a little bit. Who it is that you're worshiping, right? What, how we view prayer. Could that be a huge limiting factor if we're just treating God like a, like a slot machine? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it could. So what we need is we need the Spirit of the Lord to touch, and you are an ambassador that can help people in those areas that they're hurting the most, right? You can bring that, that, that freedom, that liberty to those places. And so this is how we have approached it in the past, though. We're like, yeah, man, praise the Lord. I come into agreement with that. You know what I mean? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Go get them, God. God, you just, you know what? Dr. Dave was talking about prayer. I'm just going to pray. God, go help, go help him. Get that spirit where, the, where those people are hurting. Like you can even speak individually, you know, so-and-so that's dealing with COVID. Go get him, God. But that's not where the scripture ends. It goes on to say, next verse, and we all, that's you and me. So we, we're real good at, yeah, man, I'll pray for you. You know, somebody's getting ready to, they're, they're moving, you know, from one house to another. And nobody likes to help anybody move. Nobody likes that. Like nobody said, my ministry is a moving ministry. I've never heard anybody say that that is it. But somebody gets up in the church and say, man, I'm just moving. God's blessed us with a little bigger home. We got another bedroom. Kids can have their own bedroom. Da, 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 da. I need some help moving crickets. Do, 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 do. And then all of a sudden you hear somebody because there's nervousness in the room. I'll pray for you. (laughs) I'll pray that you get that truck that you need and those, you know what I'm saying? I'll pray. But it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed in his image. 
with ever-increasing glory. And so the glory that you have is to be carried into these situations, and we all, instead of saying, you know what, go get them, God, go get them. How about we say, you know what, I can do that. I can serve. Come on, I can be who it is that you, that you need. And this is not easy, but I'm telling you, this is where God resides. This is where God resides, in the doing, in the going, and culture has changed in and through this. To affect a world, we need Christ-like qualities. We need to be attractive, and we need to be on display, not for our glory, but for his glory. You know, I'm telling you, once again, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I gained 12 pounds on this trip again. It seems like every vacation I gained 12 pounds. Brandon Cook, where is he? He gets up this morning. He's like, hey, Pastor T, because I recognize he lost some weight. He says, I'm down 12. I'm like, you got, or I got your 12. I got you. So this is a struggle for me. I can fluctuate 10, 20 pounds just by thinking about the wrong things. And so... This is, this is difficult, but I'm telling you, the, the, the Spirit of God spoke to me several months, over, over almost a year ago, and saying, man, you're sure talking about the excellence of God a lot. How excellent is your physical condition? You know, you can speak about it all day long, but how well are you representing the God that is so excellent and desires your best? And I'm telling you, I don't know how you deal with that. Or maybe God hasn't spoken to you like that. But I'm telling you, when he speaks to you, you are now responsible for what it is that he has shared with you. It, it, you're, either gonna, you're either going to be prideful, which is culture's greatest sin, and say, ah, oh, you know, but look at all these other areas that I've got. You know what I mean? Look where I serve. And you're, you're kind of building yourself up. I'm, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da making excuses for what it is that he's addressing at that time, or you're going to humble yourself and you're going to do something about it. Oh, man, oh, man. We still got more to go. Can you believe it? I can't even believe it. All right, so I'm going to get a little wordy. I got to speed up, and then we're going to go super practical. We're going to close this thing down. Little wordy, Revelation chapter 4. We're going to hit this in a couple of weeks in more details. Revelation 4, 6, John sees the throne room of God. There's 24 elders around the throne. You can read before that to get that information. John chapter 4, verse 6 says, In the center of this throne room of God, the throne of God, were, were four living creatures. This was one creature that had four faces, okay? They were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. I know this is weird, kind of a sci-fi, kind of a picture, but just bear with me for a second. The first living creature, the first face was that like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was the face like a man. And the fourth was a face like a flying eagle. So there's four faces and people that are smarter than I am and think in different ways than what I think. I'm very practical. But there are a lot of people that believe, scholars that believe that these four faces represent what the image of God looks like. And in fact, a couple of them that I was reading about, um, they even say that these four different faces or these four different beings represent the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I can kind of see what it is that what they're getting at. So here we've got it in Revelation. John sees this vision. Go to the book of Ezekiel real quick. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 10. 
they have the same exact vision. It's the same exact vision in a completely different place. Each of the four had the face of a man. And on the right side, it just goes into more detail. On the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left side, the face of an ox. And each also had the face of an eagle. And so the same creature was seen in two different places. Verse 28, Ezekiel 128 says this. And it shows us that this is also probably why those scholars believe the same, because it just nails it right here. This is what the appearance of the likeness of the, uh, of the, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And so, so what I want to talk to you over the next few minutes, like if this is really what the glory of God looks like, the glory of the Lord looks like, then if I can take on these characteristics, if I can look like that, then will I not be more effective in reaching the world that God has entrusted me to reach? Okay? So if this is what the glory of God looks like, and I can look like that, then will it help me be more effective in reaching my world? And I believe that it did, it will. And I also believe that Daniel had these qualities, Jesus had these qualities, and so many other people. So the ox, what does an ox do? An ox serves. And so real simple, an ox is a servant. An ox carries things. An ox plows. An ox is such a servant that an ox will be crucified so that sins could be pushed back for entirety of a year. Right? So much of a servant that it would... And so if I'm going to take on the face of an ox, then I need to be a servant. This also goes in line with who Jesus was and who Daniel was. Jesus was a servant. What did he say? I came to serve, not to be served. So if, you are gonna, if you're going to change the culture in which you are, then you need to not necessarily have the face of an ox, but you need to represent the face of an ox, which is a servant. If you have a hard time serving, then you are not being like Jesus. And we also see that Daniel was a servant because Daniel served King Darius and the other three kings prior to him, actually the other two kings prior to him, maybe three kings. It's kind of interesting how that all plays out. But he served all those kings in such a way that he served and he had influence. Why was he set up as an administrator so that the king would not suffer loss? He cared about the king and his well-being so much. He served the king so well that the king wouldn't suffer loss. And I have a hard time thinking that Daniel was being manipulative just so he could be elevated. I believe that Daniel literally served the people who God had placed over him because he had a servant's heart. He didn't have to, he wasn't trying to work things behind the scenes. He literally was like, listen, I'm going to make this guy look better than he really is. And I'm telling you, if you are going to change culture, then you need to, if you're not a servant, you need to ask yourself, why do I have such a hard time serving? Because if you're going to look like God, and if you're going to make a difference in culture, you better learn how to serve. And if not, then you won't. You're just going to look like the world. Because the world, sometimes, the, honestly, sometimes the world does a little bit better job of serving than a lot of the times the church does. So that really doesn't, 
Anyway, all right. I'm getting it off into deep waters there. I, I better stop thinking out loud. Disneyland, Disneyland, holding the door open for somebody in Disneyland, it goes so far. Like they are just like in a place where, man, people are like, you know what I mean? Just like rushing and like you open the door for some. There was one. I had this, the best ice cream. Oh, man. That's where that 12 pounds came from, I guarantee you. I'm walking with this, with this ice cream cone and, and I'm going and, and uh, I could tell everybody's looking at it. There was one couple that saw my ice cream and they, they had to come up to me and they asked me, where did you get that ice cream? And you know what I did, which it wasn't much, but I, knew, but I could tell how much they appreciate. You know what I did? My family was walking. They were walking. I stopped, and I took time with them. I said, listen, come on, come on. Just took a few steps, and I was like, you see that, you see that building way over there, like almost half a mile away? If you go in through there and take a left and you look to your right, man, you're not going to miss it. And these people were so appreciative. I'm like, it is good ice cream. You know, I didn't offer them a lick or anything, but, <laughs> but you could tell that they were so appreciative. And then I thought to myself, because I saw how little that gesture of kindness went, how far it went, how just that little action, I thought to myself, man, I wonder what would have happened and what kind of conversation, hindsight 2020, right? What kind of conversation could I have had if I said, you know what? It's like a half mile away. Come on. Hey, I'll catch you guys over at, at California Screaming or whatever that, that ride is over there. I'm taking these folks to get some ice cream. And I just walk with them to get. And it was a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity. What could a half a mile walk have gained the kingdom of God? You know what I'm saying? And I missed it. I totally missed it. But. Just that kind little gesture of just saying, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and boy, it's good. You're gonna, it's worth the walk. It's worth the walk. I'm going to pass on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19 says, and this is the Apostle Paul. He says, though I am free and I'm not a slave to any man, I don't belong to anybody. He said this, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible to the Lord. Stark contrast oftentimes in what the world views people in the church. Um, all right, the next face is the face of a man. The face of a man, man is all about relationship. This is the face of love. In a day of debate where everybody has an opinion and everybody has the right to share their opinion, um, if you get pulled into many of these conversations, I'm just going to tell you, and, and if you think that you, you're safe because you're a part of a church, there will be people that want to pull you into, into debates and conversations that, 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 and I'm talking about the ones where, where, listen, you can debate until you're blue in the face and you're both just going to walk away angry. If you get pulled into those areas, you're just not being wise. And, and I'm not a great debater, but in all of my attempts to try to argue somebody into the kingdom of God, it's never worked one time. Never worked one time. And I would say this, I don't know how many, but a bunch of people are serving the Lord because I have loved them before I've shared 
shared strong things with them. I have tried it both ways, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are serving Jesus today simply because I took interest in them and loved them. I'm telling you this, religion didn't save very many people. Love and relationship saves a bunch of people. Uh, one of the greatest things that I love to do is, is I, I'm kind of outgoing, not super outgoing. Many of you, like Steve Lotta, he's much more outgoing than I am. Um, but I have no problem talking to a stranger. I could start up a conversation with somebody, find some common ground very, very quickly. No issues. What I love to do is to build a relationship. You can build a relationship pretty quickly. Um, build a relationship and the person has no idea that you're a pastor. I love this. I share this many times. And then all of the sudden, after very, very colorful stories and sometimes language and things like that, it'll come around. Hey, man, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. And sometimes this is like over a month or over two months. Oh, man, I pastor Grace Church. And then all of a sudden, man, you can see like all the conversations that they've had that they've had with me but this is the deal i love them all the way through it all the way through it don't judge them don't don't do anything don't don't tell a man you need to clean up your you know but now there's one of two things that's going to happen one they either turn into mother teresa in a matter of 3 seconds like everything is like you know totally different or they're like man I'm knee deep in the way in the weeds I'm just going all in and they take it to a completely different level like language and, and everything almost like they're trying to trying to offend me I'm a marine so I've heard a lot now listen I, I'm telling you this I do think this is just a side note I think that if there are women and children men I want to talk to you for a second can we get back to just using wisdom. And if you're with your wife and you're with your children and somebody is being foul in a, in a location, can we just get back, you know, with wisdom and say, excuse me, guys, hey, I know you guys are just having a good time here, but I've got my, I've got my wife and I've got my kids here. Could you just be a little bit more mindful of, of your language? Can we get back to that? Like, I would love to see more and more of that. And, um, and, and women, because women are just as foul as men are today. And, and it's the truth. And it's not funny to me. It's, it's not funny. Women are just as foul as men are. So women, if you are in that same situation, how about you approach the woman and you say, hey, listen, once again, with complete, I'm not trying to, you know, not, I want you guys to have a good time and whatnot, but can you just please be mindful I've got my kids here with me, and, and I'm just trying to, trying to keep them as innocent as long as possible. You can even make a joke out of it or whatnot. But can we get back to that where we're standing up for, for things that we, you know, things that are important to us? Can, can, we, can we just a little bit? And so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the one-on-one -on -one and, and, and those types of things because it's going to come around to, to them knowing who I am, and I'm going to have a great opportunity just to share uh, share, share with them. And so somebody say, love wins people, love wins people. Not, religion. not religion. 
John chapter 13 and verse 34 says this, and Jesus is the one said it. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I've loved you. Now, this really wasn't a new command. This had been a part of, of everything since Genesis, but I think that people just weren't doing it. So he was saying, listen, I got something new we're going to do here today. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, come on, people are going to know that you belong to me, that you are my disciples if you love one another. So you want to change the world, love people and serve people. And uh, the next face is the face of an eagle. Got to hurry up, ain't got much time. But the face of an eagle is a face of respect, honor, dignity, freedom, and excellence. We talked about excellence already. I feel like I just want to stay in that vein. But I'm telling you, there was a time when Tyler, my son, is Tyler here? Tyler, are you here? I don't see him. Is he up top? I don't see him. He, oh, he, there he is. There he is. He's hating me right now. Boy, he is hate. He's like, Dad. Uh, so anyway, Tyler, I want you to, just you and me, just for a second. I think you were about four or five years old. And I had a, uh, I still have it. Terry got it fixed up for me again. I got a CR250 and um two stroke and I had this motorcycle and Tyler was like four maybe four years old and and I used to just love climbing hills with that thing and we were climbing some hills that I shouldn't have been climbing with 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 a a four-year-old on the back in fact I lost you remember you we were about halfway up and I looked back and he had his helmet on Tina I just want you to know but but I, but I lost him. I lost him. And I'm like, oh, I, I just get him, get off and go get him again and, and uh, dust him off. And, but anyway, we got up. This was outside of Boise, if you remember that. But we were riding up in this, this steep, steep mountain. And we got to the top and it leveled off a little bit. And I'm telling you, I saw the most beautiful bald eagle. And I was close. We were close to this bald eagle. And it was sitting on a cliff like this with a huge um, 200 feet down maybe just a cliff and I'm not kidding I didn't know that those birds were that bird was probably this tall it was massive it was it was massive and so so I'm like Tyler do you see that and so we kind of go walking over and it we probably got maybe to where Terry is um, right there from the from the bird and not very far maybe maybe 40 feet or something and, uh, and all of the sudden, this bird just like with one, and just one flap, and it was just in the air. It was so majestic, and so, and it didn't like fly away. Like it was just hovering over the, cl- over the cliff. And man, I got, I got, I got spiritual. I got patriotic. Like I just snapped to attention. I was like, my country tis of the sweet land. And then I busted into some amazing grace. Amazing. It was incredible, man. This bird was just like, was just awesome. It was so impressive. And I'm just saying this, that I feel like God is saying it's time to be impressive, not within yourself, but within me. Like, I will give you the ability to to influence and to impress so that I may be glorified, that you might be used and I may be glorified in people's lives. Once again, man, 
When you stand out, I told my kids this, man, in a day and a time that we live in, you don't have to do much to stand out. And you don't. And you should stand out. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you. You have, a, you have excellence inside of you. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Like your marriage should be so attractive that people are just like coming up to you and saying, your kids should be so attractive and well-behaved and, and taking, I'm telling you what, we sponsor some kids in, in the Dominican Republic, my wife and I do. And, um, and, and there's these two kids that we sponsor. And the first time that we met them, man, they were, their hair was all, and not everybody's hair is combed over there. Hair was all beautified and pretty and clean. And I'm, I, I remember meeting the family and, and meeting our kids for the first time. And I was like, man, our kids and our family that we serve, they must be, they must come from like money in the Dominican Republic because of how well these kids were cared for. Clean, other, other kids had dirt all over them. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging one. I'm just saying the impression that I got was these people must be highly educated and have more than most people in the Dominican Republic. Do you know what I found out? The kids that we sponsor were the poorest kids and the poorest family in that whole bunch. In fact, they lived like six miles away and they don't even have their own. They, had a, they, had, they lived in a shack that your, what's that thing called? Your shed. I was, I was, your shed is nicer than what they lived in. Literally, we go to their house and there's slits in the wood because, because they couldn't get enough wood to put it all together. You know what Tina and I are doing? We're taking money. We're, we're putting money all over in that, in that, in that house. Shouldn't be doing this, but this is what we're doing. We found out that this was, but this mother she was like, nobody's going to know that my kids, you know what I mean, have less than the, than, than the next. A spirit of excellence. Amen? Somebody that was just, and I'm telling you, for some of you that have, were with us, you know that what I'm saying is the absolute truth. They weren't just like on the lower end. They literally were the family that were talked about the most, furthest away it was, a, it was a huge sacrifice for them to get there. Anyway, all I'm saying is, is that you can honor God with an excellent spirit because of the spirit of God that's in you. There's a couple that made the most of very, very little. Last one is the face of a lion. This is the face of boldness. We live in a day and an age where, once again, we have to have wisdom but we also have to be willing to stand up for some things that need to be stood up for. And, and, and listen, you're, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be challenged to be quieted on a lot of different fronts. And a lot of the time, the challenge to be quiet is going to come from yourself. You're going to say, don't make a scene. Come on, really? Is it worth all of that? And this is all I'm going to say is that you, with the Spirit of God, having wisdom and love in your hearts, if you're not going to do something to challenge the culture, 
and to be different than who is? Like, who is? Well, somebody else will do it. And somebody else is saying somebody else will do it. And so listen, you've got to have the face of a lion and you've got to, you've got to be bold. Proverbs 28 and verse 1, it says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Well, I didn't even have to give you a long scripture for that one. But I'm telling you this, that you got to know what you believe in these last days and you got to speak truth and you got to be, you got to have wisdom. You got to be wise, right? You got to be spirit led. Now is not the time. And I've been, I feel like I've been saying this for a long time. Now is not the time to half step with Jesus. Now is the time to, to spend some time in these areas. Develop your Beliefs develop the qualities, the excellent qualities, right? You, you know, Daniel and them, they went through three years of training um, to serve the king. And, and I'm sure that, that, that they learned some things along the way that, that turned out to be excellent qualities. So just because you're not excellent in all areas doesn't mean that you cannot become excellent in those areas. Some person might be like, man, where do I start? I feel like I'm so far behind. Well, start by cleaning your car. Start, start small. If you have a hard time, like if there are times where you don't want to bring people over to your house because your house is, is just messy and, 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 and out of order, then start by tidying up your house right? I know that some people are really driven in this area and some people are not. And so just because you might not be driven in a certain area doesn't mean that you can't become that way. Um, there's a lot of people that I've recognized some things and I, I, I feel, I'm just going to say it anyway. Eric, just put your hand in the air just real quick. So Eric owns the gym that I, that I go to um, out, in, out in South Burley. It's a great gym. And, uh, and anyhow, one thing that I picked up on the first week that I was there, he and Travis and, and of course, his, his, uh, his, his wife, they own the place. But Eric is always going through, and he is, he is re-racking weights that people just leave out. So he's taking responsibility to put the, put the weights away. Eric is always going through with the little swipper sweeper. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, uh, but a vacuum. He is always vacuuming that place. Why? Because a spirit of excellence. He's like, listen, if I want, if I want to grow the gym and my business, this is my, my business, my livelihood, then, then I want it to be clean. I want it to be orderly. I want it to, you know what I mean? I want it to be functional. I want it to be a good atmosphere. And so all I'm saying is, is that, that if you're not excellent in a certain area, you can become excellent in that area. You find somebody that's great. Like if you want tidy and organization, call my wife. Like she is the queen of it. She is so good. I'm always in trouble for not putting stuff where, where it belongs. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Amen. Steve, I see you getting, you're getting something right now. You, Jen, Jen's that way too, huh? Steve, put your dirty clothes in the dirty hamper, right? All right. So how do I respond? Pastor Matt spoke a message within the last year, such a great message. If you haven't heard it, go back, listen to it. It was all about grace and truth, grace and truth. And, uh, and that's how we respond, grace and truth. Grace says this, 
We all need a second chance. But the truth is, to get that second chance, you've got to admit that you need a second chance. And a lot of us, we want a second chance, but we won't admit that we, that we need it. Grace says this, that we're all sinners. In fact, I would go as far as to say this. There's no sin as worse as, you know, that's worse than my sin. And, um, and, and I'm a very non-judgmental person. But we also live in a day and a time where the truth aspect of it is this. We're not going to call sin okay. You have to call sin, sin. You know what I'm saying? And we live in a day and a time where nobody wants to call sin, sin. And so we have to call because if you call sin, sin, and you are sincere and you're repentant about it, then the grace of God is active and alive and well for you. How do we see this most? We see this in the woman caught in adultery. She was literally in, in any little kids? She was, with, she was with somebody that wasn't her husband. And, um, and so she was caught in the act of being with somebody that wasn't her husband. And so religious leaders and the, the, the men, uh, they, they bring this woman, they throw her at Jesus' feet. And, um, and he's saying, listen, uh, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. You know, the law says, somebody say the law. The law says she should be stoned. She should be killed by throwing rocks at her. And Jesus is like, yep, you're absolutely right. And Jesus says this to all those men that were angry, you know, uh, violent with this woman, aggressive. He said, yep, you're right. She, she deserves to die. And then he spoke to an area of their being that was deeper than their ears and deeper than their brain. He spoke to their soul and he said, you who is without sin... You who is clean and righteous, where you stand, go ahead and cast the first stone. I'm sure everybody else will follow, but you who is without sin, cast the first stone. And, the, and he spoke so deep into their, their being, their soul, that after contemplating and thinking and looking and evaluating, their like they were forced to evaluate their life. When Jesus does something like that to you, they were forced to evaluate their life. And I believe that sins and their, their misfortunes and their, their, their wrongdoings and their lying and maybe even being with a woman just like the one that this other person was caught with. I mean, who knows what all happened there? But one by one, those men dropped stones. They dropped their rock that they had ready to kill this woman with. And the woman, you know, after everything silences and just quiets down a little bit, she lifts up her head and Jesus says this, where are the men that just brought you to my feet and accused you? And she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know where they are. And Jesus is the one that said this. Jesus, he said, neither do I condemn you. So somebody say grace. She, she deserved to die. How many of you know Jesus could have stoned her? Because he was the only righteous that was there, right? He could have, he, the only one that could have stoned her didn't stone her, didn't kill her. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So grace, the truth aspect, go and sin no more. So listen, stop what you're doing. You're better than that. You're better than that. I've got better for you. You know, she was introduced to Jesus that day. And I don't know how the rest of the story 
you know, plays out, but I'll know one day because I was also one that deserved to die. And Jesus said the same thing about me. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And guess what? You deserve to die too. You deserved. You deserved to be pinned on that cross. You deserved. You don't deserve what blessing you are walking in, what love you're walking in today. Amen? You don't deserve the gift of life. But he says, listen, I love you so much. I want you to... I want you to have this. I'm gifting it to you. So if you're here this morning and you don't know what I'm talking about, the way that you get this gift is simply by saying, God, please forgive me of my sins. You, you come to a place of realizing that I need God's grace. I'm a sinner in need to be saved, right? And so when you identify, when you, when you come to grips with that and you ask Jesus, please forgive me of my sins, you know what he, he'll do? He'll forgive you. I was able to share in the tub with, with both of these, these guys that got, got baptized here, here today just, just how awesome it is to walk in forgiveness, to receive forgiveness. Maybe you haven't thought about that in a while, but Jesus forgives you of your sins. That's amazing. That's amazing. So anyhow, I want to just give you the opportunity this morning. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, ask him to forgive you of your sins, for the Spirit of God to come inside of you, to live in you, and to change you from the inside out, just go ahead and just raise your hand real quick. Is there anybody here that wants to make that commitment? Awesome over here. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Awesome right here. Awesome. So good. So good. Up top as well. I saw you up there. Anybody else? Okay, so listen, I'm just going to say a, a very simple prayer, but since you're right here, I want to talk to you. I'm talking to everybody. This prayer may seem very elementary, and it's like really can like big things happen because of a prayer, and the answer to that is yes. Um, my life totally changed. This was my prayer, the extent of it. I was in jail. I had just gotten pulled over for a DUI. And I was completely inebriated. And my prayer, the extent of my prayer was this, God, and I had ran from God for a long time, but this was my prayer. God, if you can use this life, you can have it because I'm tired of it. And immediately, like, that's all he was waiting for. He was just waiting for, he was waiting for me to come to a place of just saying, I need you and I trust you. And so, so can a small prayer make a big difference? Absolutely. And I didn't even say it fancy. I was like, if you can, have, if you can use it, you could have it because I'm done with it. And um, a lot of it even out of frustration. So, so anyhow, please do me a favor. If you're praying this prayer, rededicating your life um, today, go ahead and just pray a prayer similar to this. Uh, let's go ahead and stand to our feet because we're going to worship right after this. Repeat this prayer in your own words. Lord, I thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for the cross that you died on. You were the only righteous man, the God-man that had been on the planet. And, uh, and you died on a cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins and my shortcomings. Today, I ask you, Jesus, by the work of the cross, that you would forgive me. I'm broken. 
I'm a mess. I don't have the answers. But I believe that I believe that you've reached out to me today and I feel like you are revealing yourself to me and I trust you. I trust you to the point where I'm just asking you to forgive me but also come into my life. I'm asking you to not only save me because I want to go to heaven, but also I want you to be my Lord, which is the director of my life. I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore. I want to trust you. Help me with that trust. I'm, I'm going to need it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That is, that is your spirit in me. Your word says, and I know this might seem foreign, but your word says that you don't, you don't dwell in temples that are made of men's hands, but you dwell in temples that are mankind. You dwell in our hearts. You dwell in our being. You reside inside of anyone who receives you. And I thank you, Lord, for that. So fill me with your spirit. Give me purpose and vision and wisdom. I want to I wanna have the characteristics that we talked about today. We broke down the different faces and what they represent. And I believe that, God, if I can, if I can by your spirit, work in these areas. I'm not talking about just thinking differently, but just really by the spirit of the Lord becoming more like you, that I'm going to be more effective at reaching the people that you've called me to reach. And I want to do that. I want my life to count. I want to complete what it is that you've created me to complete. Most of all, Lord, I don't want to just do it because it's a job to do. I want to do it because it honors you and it helps me walk in relationship with you. Let us not forget the importance of relationship one to another, certainly to you. So God, I thank you for today and I thank you for these decisions that have been made. We bless these people that have made those decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.